With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show... We are going to dive deep into some NBA draft stuff that has happened over the course of the last week, weekend, I don't know. Uh, Matt Penny is here. Penny, what's going on, man? Doing great. I love this little uh, midweek, early week podcast. Get started. A lot of good games on Docker this week and still a lot of stuff to talk about. This is an important podcast because you and I are actually looking at each other right now. We are recording uh, video, hopefully to go out live. I, I don't know if this will end up just being a test. Uh, if you don't see this video, we sucked on camera, clearly. Uh, <laughs> I, think it's, I don't know if that was a takeaway. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do here in, in terms of video, basically. Uh, probably up on YouTube in some regard. Uh, at the very least, we will have clips going out. But uh, it, it's good. It's good to see your face. It's good to see... Uh, the inside of a bathroom in Boston. <laughs> yeah, I lock myself in. I'm, I'm in a hotel. There's a bathroom behind me. It, it is nice. This is like the next level of confirming we're not catfishing each other. And That's true. This isn't like a, a Disney Disney villain voice modulation you've just been dealing with <laughs> via the internet for the last two, three years. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of, this is as close as in the flesh as we've gotten to this point, which is exciting. This is a dream. <laughs> this is what we're looking for. Okay, the docket today, we're going to talk about the Scoot Henderson breakout in the G League, which has finally occurred over the last week. We're going to talk Dyson Daniels, Jaden Hardy, Marjan Beauchamp, Michael Foster, as soon as we're done with Scoot. Uh, then we're going to move to Memphis, Imani Bates, Jalen Duran. We're going to talk a little bit about the Gonzaga-Duke game that occurred over the weekend, I guess. It was Friday. Sure. The holiday days blend together, don't they? It did. Someone someone had a good post. It felt like Sunday for like four days, which was fine. Like the actual Sunday scaries didn't hit till actually Sunday. But yeah, we lost we lost all uh, sense of time during those four days. See, like the problem for me is that I don't have a sense of time to begin with because I'm in Australia living on American <laughs> yeah. schedule. Right. So I, I like don't know what day it is most days. And then yeah. Thanksgiving hits, which isn't a holiday in Australia. And we do it anyway because we are, like, my wife is half American and I'm American and her father's American. So we have a nice little day, but, I mean, it's a, it's a, it, it's been rough trying to get back I, to schedule. I do give credit to you, though, because for, for all the, the time differences and, and alternating daylight savings, 
I think we've messed up once in terms of, hey, uh, it's tomorrow at 8 versus whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. So for you to be able to navigate that, and I don't think twice. You say, like, hey, it's 4 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock, I just show up and start talking nonsense. But you, you've been on your game, so you got to give yourself credit for that anyway. That's what the calendar's for, baby. <laughs> That's what you got to yeah, do. You, you have a clock, you have a watch on that just has, like, California <laughs> time. You work off that. It, it, it seriously, I do. I literally have my computer set to California time. Like it says right now that it's what I think it's like one thirty. Should in, yeah. in California, Good. yeah. So, um, yeah, what a what a mess my life is over here in terms of work. Uh, but I get done with watching tape around five o'clock, and I get to watch movies like King Richard right after. And that was a strange little. Strange little movie that I watched. All right. well, Haven't maybe got maybe we'll talk it's about a, it at the end. It is. It's on my list. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Scoot. Uh, the G League has is doing like this weird kind of like showcase schedule season because I think that the G League is kind of trying to navigate COVID in the way that uh, it best can in order to get guys prepared for call-ups to make the G League Ignite situation work. And... Because of an injury, Scoot Henderson just hadn't played really for the Ignite all that often. Uh, he has started to get real minutes, and over the course of the last week, he's played three games. He played the yep. Santa Cruz Warriors, and then they played a back-to-back against the Stockton Kings uh, over the weekend and on Monday. Scoot Henderson in that game against Santa Cruz dropped 31 points, six rebounds, five assists. Uh, in the first game against Stockton, he had 23 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. In the game last night against Stockton, he had 27 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, Scoot Henderson is dominating the G League right now. And those numbers, like, they somehow understate what it feels like watching him on the court. Uh, it also, like, understates his impact because uh, he is coming off the bench. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't watch him I didn't watch him today, but I looked at the box score and I was watching clips and said, This sucker's still coming off the bench. Like <laughs> good for him, but he, yeah. he's been the spark plug off the bench where they're down twenty, then all of a sudden they're back in it because of that momentum shift he's able to do. Literally what happened in the Santa Cruz game. Like they were down, I think it was like fifty seven thirty eight or something. Mm-hmm. They put Scoot in. And his first stretch in the game was like okay. It wasn't amazing or anything. But then they just, like, it seemed like they just told him go. Like, they said, hey, we're going to give you the ball. We're going to put it in your hands. Just go make shit happen. And yeah. it was fucking amazing. Like It, it was. It was, and, it was and, and he, he had that 30-point game on 10 or 15 shooting. And it just never felt forced either. Like, sometimes yeah. guys will have 30, and it, it's a force. Like, I was talking to someone earlier today. Like, Franz Wagner had 27 last night. But if you watch the game, like, end of the game, he was kind of searching a little bit. It was okay. Yeah. He was trying. But, like, Scoot, it's, like, all within the rhythm of what he's doing, and, and that's the craziest thing. And this kid's 17 years old. Like, he's supposed to be a senior in high school. And, and I watched him on tape, on film last year, because it's a funky COVID year. He's playing, like, Class 6A in Georgia. He's averaging 32 points per game, just kind of doing what he wanted, playing to the crowd a little bit. He'd have a dunk. He'd go flex. He'd hit a three, go yell at somebody. So it was hard for me to take him, like, totally seriously because I hadn't seen him in a real evaluation-type setting. Mm. So you watch a couple of G League games, and, and Jaden Hardy's had his struggles, so we'll, we'll get to that. So then his his first game, he had like eight and six or something like that. Solid, like kind of what I expected. You saw all this hype and all these stories, and then 
when they actually let him go, like you you said a little yeah. bit, it was incredible. I mean, just the way that he approaches pick and rolls and, and the different reads that he has, it's not like a quarterback where it's like, here's here's my pre-snap reads. It's like he's like seeing the play in the air and then yeah. naturally, instinctively making the move. There's nothing robotic about how he splits the D, then spins and looks opposite. And another thing I'll say, and, and as smooth as he is and not forcing it, that first game he had five assists. He probably should have had eight or nine. There was a few yeah, plays totally. where he, he over-dribbled. He hit opposite in the corner. Guys just missed a wide-open three. Michael Foster missed a, a bucket right around the rim. So just just very exciting as a player and a prospect. And for him to do this right now against NBA competition, that Santa Cruz game, he had Jonathan Kaminga on ice skates. He, he was switched on to – Jeff Doughton, like like, there's guys that are, are NBA level players that he's doing it against. This isn't college. Yeah. This isn't the the overtime thing where the competition can be shaky. This was against bonafide guys, and that was the most impressive thing for me. Yeah, like that Santa Cruz team is pretty good. Like you said, like Jeff Doughton was a great defender at Rhode Island. Very good. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. Moody didn't play a ton in that game, but like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga were lottery picks last year. Yeah, and. He made Santa Cruz, at times, frankly, look silly. Uh, he had an incredible feel for exactly how to approach ball screens. Yeah. Uh, he would take a side ball screen, and you'd think that he's going to go around into the middle of the floor, and then he'd throw a wicked left or right crossover and reject it. And not just try and attack the rim, and we're going to talk about a player in a little bit here that I think is still struggling with some of these reads, uh, he knows exactly what his reads are. He's looking at the help defender the entire time. He's hitting that cross-corner kick out with ease. He's seeing that angle so simply. He's seeing lob passes. He's seeing uh, the roller. He's seeing short rolls. Like Every single thing imaginable that Scoot Henderson needs to hit, nothing about it is forced. Uh, he's scoring 31 points, 23 points, 27 points. It's efficient. It's smart. It's within the flow of the offense. Sometimes it's out in transition. Like he had a play last night where he like goes right to left crossover, like carries the ball like a running back, almost like in his right, in his left hand, and then jumps and in midair switches it to his right hand on the left side of the rim and throws it down for a dunk with like the easiest explosive pop you'll see i mean he he is explosive he is um reactive there's just no i don't i don't know like there are faults and we'll talk about the faults but like out of ball screens making reads getting to the basket attacking the paint getting a foot in the paint there is no real weakness there i don't think no, he's powerful, too. It's not one of these yeah. guards that gets in the lane. And you hope. He jumps up. It's like, well, I hope he can get to the free throw line. And he does. Like, he does get to the free throw line. But he's going there to finish. He's going there to dunk. And the steals, too. He's a very good on-the-ball defender. Those three games, he had three steals, two steals, four steals. And I think it was Santa Cruz. It was like a two-point game. Actually, it was a tie game. It was a ref show at the end. They called a loose ball foul for free throws to end it, which was mm-hmm. insane. But he was he was there. He was in the mix. He, he has to close. He's playing 30 minutes despite not starting um the jumper i i guess is the one thing that we'd yeah. say we're not worried just just hesitant just pause button a little bit the mid-range stuff looks better like his legs get a little bit wide but it, it looks smooth totally. he's comfortable going left to right coming up ball screens pulling up right away he hit a, a three or two in, in a couple of those other games he said he's worked with a trainer to get better so 
we will often overuse like scratching the surface, but I truly believe that this kid is still just figuring it out in a good sense at, at being so young and and putting up these numbers in three consecutive games and there's still a lot to get better and and everyone's just really excited about him and unfortunately for us he's a he's a year away from the draft so we'll be talking about yeah. him ad nauseum until then but a, a nice name to kind of put up there at the that first tier of the 2023 draft which seems wild yeah yeah so i've talked to some scouts over the last few days and for a long time it's been you know, quote unquote, predetermined that French center Victor Wembenyema is going to be the number one overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft. He's seven foot four and has incredibly long arms and has real ball skills, some ability to score, some ability to shoot. Uh, incredible defensively. I mean, you go back and you watch the U19 game. He played as an underage player last summer against the United States, against guys like Chet Holmgren, Jaden Ivey. It was remarkable. He was absolutely phenomenal in that game. Now, it's not a done deal that he goes number one at this right. point. Uh, Scoot Henderson has genuinely put himself in the mix. And I think, frankly, I would take Scoot right now as the guy in that class. It's early. We're still, yeah. what, 18 months away from that draft? So, <laughs> There's some time on the clock. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen here, but... I mean, Scoot, Wembenyema, like these guys would go number one in 2022 pretty easily, in my opinion. And uh, what, what we've seen from Scoot so far is nothing short of remarkable, I don't think. It is. The the only thing for me to be Debbie Downer a little bit is I don't want to be oh, prisoner of the moment. Prisoner of the moment. Come on. <laughs> He's been awesome. He's been awesome for three games. If, if you just hit pause and we reverse this, rewound this to July or August, we would be saying – the same exact thing about Victor Wembanyama. We'd be complaining that yeah, yeah, yeah. he didn't he didn't win MVP. It was Chet, despite USA winning gold. Victor was the guy. Everyone's going nuts about his blocks, his length, his fluidity, getting up and down the court, shooting a little bit. But but Vic- here's here's the difference though between those two things is Scoot now has shown it against a super high level in the G League. Like even Wembanyama, he like got some minutes last year at high levels. But for the most part, like, it was U19, he played in, like, the City League, like, in Paris with Usman Mm -hmm. Deng. And it was not a super high level of competition that he was ever going against. The competition we're seeing Scoot play against night after night now consistently is much higher than anything we've seen from Wembenyama so far. Absolutely. Up until this year, I mean. Up until this year. Because, right, and and when you play FIBA and you're you're playing Chet Holmgren, who... Is at least discussed as a top pick. He might be two or three. I don't think he'll get beyond that range. So he kind of played who he played, and then this season started slow. I think he's been injured a little bit, so he, he hasn't even played internationally that much this calendar season, I guess is, is one way of putting it. But it's fun. It, it's good to have like a, <laughs> another name at the top, and, and now we're all yeah. rushing to, to see the latest clips and highlights and people saying that, that Scoot Henderson is the best prospect in the world and has great bloodlines, his family's all high-level athletes, seems to have his head on his shoulders, approaches the game the right way, works on his game, gets in the gym with his trainers, just seems singularly focused on improvement. And if you're already doing that and scoring 31, 22, and 27 in stride at 17, which I keep beating over the head, it's it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I, I don't know how, yeah. how else to say it. The, the fact that he's 17 is insane to me. Yeah. 
Um, the the three games of tape he's shown so far this week are better than any tape that Jalen Green showed in the G League. Right. At, for three games, yes. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Like, these three games are better than any singular game Jalen Green played last year in the G League. Yeah. Top, top of my head, like, I, I, I would agree with you. But at the very least, the, the way it, it showed, and it wasn't like I was rooting or, or hoping for Jalen Green to, to do this or that because I think prospects are just going to either figure out they won't. But he did. Like he, he slowed his game down yeah. a little bit. He, he learned how to use screens a little better. He learned to, to limit his dribbles and his actions. And, and Scoot's just like, I just like watching him play. Just like knows how to yeah. play basketball. And you're not rooting for anything because you know he's going to make some – wild but under control play and, and maybe tries to dunk it maybe throws it over his head for an assist uh so yeah it's it's, it's different brands of basketball but i had we had this kind of like an, not anti but sort of like a negative light on g league ignite a couple pods ago just because those guys hadn't really lived up to expectations the the high level names and now that scoot yeah. is is healthy as a two-year guy which at the time seemed ambitious it looks like it's worth every penny well and, and let's talk about some of the other guys because i think that I have some worries about what we've seen from Jaden Hardy so far. Some of it's been really good. When he has been focused on attacking the rim, uh, his body control, his footwork, his ability to find little creases around the basket has been incredibly impressive. Uh, I've really, really liked what I've seen from him in that respect. Too often he's willing to settle for really, really bad mid-range jumpers that are contested. Mm-hmm. and are seemingly outside of the flow of the offense oftentimes. Right. Uh, I, I'm I'm not going to say that it's been a totally negative experience. I think that would be unfair. But I, I think that mm, – I don't know that scouts have been blown away by Jaden Hardy yet, I would say. No, they, they, they can't be. And, and I'm starting to worry a little bit, too, as as we've seen some guys with games under their belts now. We're readjusting our, our big boards, and people are updating their, their mock drafts. He's shooting 32% from the field. He's shooting 26% from three. Basically a one assist to one turnover ratio, which isn't great. And he's shooting out there. I mean, he, he has a shoes mentality. He The game I watched, the last game I watched he played, he missed a shot coming off a pin down. The next possession, he pulls up before the play's even set, like in the <laughs> – like what are we doing here? Let it let it develop a little bit. If his man goes under a high ball screen, he's shooting. He's he's not thinking twice. Just there's times where he plays and it's like an empty stats guy that he'll get twenty. But like, what did he have to do to get twenty points? Whereas Scoot Henderson, like he's the guy in terms of production anyway that I thought that Jaden Hardy may be. So for him to still be kind of like fourth or fifth around people's drafts, it's it's you're betting on him to kind of like turn the corner and and make it work but when you have a, a guy coming off the bench that's significantly better your eyes are just drawn to that other guy so i'm i'm starting to i'm not hitting the panic button but i'm, I'm hovering a little bit just in terms of like that first tier of prospects first guard when Jaden hardy's playing so well and people are building momentum the other way like which way is he going to go in a week or two yeah so like cam thomas is averaged i want to say he's like over like 35 a game so far in the g league and Cam Thomas is a year older. He has mm-hmm. a year of experience in college and has had another summer to work on his game around NBA people. There's a lot of Cam Thomas there oh, in yeah. Jaden Hardy's game. And I have some concerns that Cam Thomas is the 
better version of it in some respects. But which isn't the worst thing, but it is to me if you're drafting fifth. Yeah, I was gonna say like this. I I like Jim Hardy. He he was all over my board. I mean, I think he ended up being twentieth. But there's a time where I was saying I would take Johnny Juzang over him. There's a time I would say I took Josh Christopher over him. I was wrong, and Cam Thomas is a lot better, but sort of still that one-track-minded scorer who can really fill it up. You have worries and concerns about what else he can do, and thus I wouldn't take him with the fifth overall pick. Right, and NBA teams didn't with Cam Thomas, right? They took him 27, something like that, um, right in that range. So I think it's hard to look at uh, Jaden Hardy and be all that in enthused about what we've seen like i've been a little bit lower on hardy throughout the process like i had him at i think eight in the preseason and i would probably have him around 10 ish right now but that's purely what's helping him right now i think is that not many players have truly emerged so far as super high level players so he's getting a chance to work through some of these issues without necessarily like falling and like catastrophically hindering himself. So uh, I need to see more from Jaden Hardy. Dyson Daniels next. Uh, Dyson. Well, it's interesting. Like I actually like what I've seen from Dyson in regard to everything, but like scoring. Uh, he makes an impact defensively at a really high level. Like, he's really, really good defensively already. Uh, gets his hands into passing lanes. Really disruptive on the ball. Six foot six and can guard one through three very easily. I think long term, probably he's able to guard one through four uh, once he gets stronger. Like, pretty good passer. Sees the floor well. They have him playing point guard. I don't really see that as his long term position necessarily. Yep. But he does have real passing instincts and does have the ability to handle the ball. I think his jump shot mechanics have improved a little bit. The skills that Dyson Daniels needs in order to be a good role rotation player in the NBA, he showcased all of those in the G League. And I think that in some respects that's a positive. Um, Obviously, you'd like to see him do more. But uh, it has not been... I think it's not been as bad as what the box score numbers would indicate, despite the fact yeah. that he hasn't been all that productive yet. I don't think he's a point guard. That, that's the first thing. He's playing out of position a lot of times, and, and maybe that changes yeah. now with the emergence of Scoot and just say, hey, do that, run the wing, Hardy another one, let's just like play ball. I'm just worried about the feet as a point guard. Like We've talked about Jeff Dowden. I am actually a Jeff Dowden fan, but he went right by him like a, a lot. Yeah, he did. And then when yeah. Dyson's actually handling the ball, they turn around and he just does a lot of pressure turned it over in the backcourt. He did use his size on drives when he said, okay, I'm not going to beat him. Maybe I'll spin a little bit, extend by the basket. Had a really bad like bounce pass, entry feed, or turnover. You hit it on the head that with Jaden Hardy, with Dyson Daniels, I'm still like waiting for that second tier of guys. So like I've slid Jaden Hardy down to eight, and I have Dyson Daniels lower than that. I think way lower than you. I have him right now. I'm looking at my board at 21. But that yeah, group... Yeah, for what it's worth, I'd probably have him more in like the 15 to 20 range right now. But that group, right? That that 9 to 20-ish group right now, It's uh, you're waiting for a guy to emerge. You're waiting for Max Christie to really do it or, or Bryce McGowan's to be more efficient or, yeah. or Keegan Murray to, to have a good game against a legitimate team. Um, 
Yeah. You know, Ty Ty Washington's been up and down. Matthew Cleveland, maybe. So we're rallying off these names. Somebody has to go there, and I'll give Dyson the benefit of the doubt because he stepped into this role that doesn't necessarily fit his game. There is going to come a point in time, though, where it has to be a little bit more productive and efficient offensively for me to put him solidly in the lottery. Yeah, and I think that's fair and reasonable. Like, honestly, like I said, like I think I'd have him outside, and I actually really like Dyson yeah. uh, in his game. So uh, let's go to Marjan Beauchamp, who I think has actually been, to this point, maybe the G League's biggest actual success story. Uh Scoot has been great, but Scoot is just this, like, preternaturally talented human being who is, like, a freak show athlete and knows how to play basketball. Marjan Beauchamp, like, the scouts that saw him last year at Yakima Community College in Washington, they didn't really see him as a long-term NBA player. They saw the length and the athleticism, but they thought he had a long way to go skill-wise. Uh whenever he was a high school recruit before he decided to go to Chameleon BX for training for that year, uh, what, he was top 50 guy? Something he was, like that, yeah. Guy? Yeah, top, top 50, but everything he said is why the scouts did have intrigue to him long term. Right. And he gets to the G League Ignite, and he's starting. He's making an impact defensively with his length. He doesn't look out of place athletically, obviously. Uh, he's smart in terms of being a high-level cutter. I actually really think that Beauchamp so far has been a really, really positive outcome for the G League Ignite because when I talk to scouts about him, they think he is somewhere between like 25 to 40, something in that range, uh, having now seen him up close and having seen the growth in his game that has occurred. Yeah, I'm scrolling here. I have him 30 right now. It was just a little, I don't want to say peculiar, but I was caught off guard when he signed with G League Ignite because it's been the first player that took his path that went to junior college and then then went there. So I don't want to say I forgot about him as a prospect, but he's a guy that that went to a junior college and just kind of assumed, like, oh, he'll pop up at Washington State or he'll be at Oregon State. Mm -hmm. Then I'll be in the Pac-12. They'll turn it on in conference like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't know he ended up there. What was his path? So when he signs with G League Ignite, I didn't really have expectations. But yeah. they've been surpassed, if that if that can <laughs> you can wrap your head around that piece of it, because he's done all the little things too. There's no diva about him. He's sort of like a junkyard dog type out there, yeah. cleaning up messes. There's some bad shots. He'll rebound, he'll work the glass, he keeps plays alive. Then defensively he really rotates and, and he'll help. He'll try to take charges, block shots, in transition, he'll fill the lane, run and jump. There there's a lot of stuff there that I feel like he's bought in more so than I thought, than I anticipated when you see the junior college tape, when I saw the high school stuff. He was just used to being the alpha with the ball in his hands, and you kind of have like two and a half alphas, and, and he's okay playing third fiddle. And for being a rotational type of guy in, in that draft range, he fits the, the mold of what you'd be looking for. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for the way that he's gone about his path so far, and for the way that he's kind of forged his own trajectory and for the way that he has gone about attacking the G League uh, and showcasing the skills that NBA scouts are looking for from someone like Marjan Beauchamp. Um, The swing skill here is the jumper. He needs to be a consistent 35 to 38% three-point shooter. There's just not really a way around it. We'll see if he gets there. I, I don't know if he will or not. Uh, it remains up for question, but uh, if he does, he's going to play in the NBA for a pretty pretty decent amount of time, I would say. 
Yeah, uh, totally. And, and if he's the, if he's the guy that's kind of like the the fourth signing of the G League Ignite, if he's sort of in that like Isaiah Toddish mold for we we want you to be a first round pick. If you're not, he's he's yeah. he's been that and everything above that. I think too. Yeah, totally. Like uh, I think there were probably even less expectations. Right. On he wasn't Marjol the he, he wasn't the headliner. Than, it wasn't you had this bag to go get get the best players you can. I don't think people thought that. Oh, he signed Marshawn Beauchamp. He needs to average eighteen and ten for me. This would be worthwhile. Yep. Uh, last guy, Michael Foster. I mean, he's putting up points and rebounds. That's for sure. <laughs> You're just gonna <laughs> leave me hanging with that. Yeah. If you look at box scores, he's great. The plus minus is terrible. Everything is great. Uh, let's start positive. Uh, I do think he has sort of an NBA pace at times on the catch in the post. Like he'll he'll take his time and size his man up. I just don't like it when he catches it in the mid post. He pulls it out to create almost like his own backwards side isolation. He can play the five a little bit, like the top of the key and attack and, and use that as mismatches. My concern is the feel. I, I just don't see it. Like he, he makes awkward reads. He I don't think he processes the game like particularly quickly. And defensively he'll he'll bite on shot flakes, he's slow to recover. Guys have no problem shooting over the top of him. They played Harry Giles. And Harry Giles was almost like surprised how much room he was giving him. It's like I can shoot this. You should close out. <laughs> he, he didn't. So it, it, that's the yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't love his handle. Puts his head down. A stats guy. He's always going to stats. I mean, I remember watching him at Hoop Hall with Hillcrest, and he had 35, and he's taking threes with a minute left. They're down by 20, so he's going he's going to get his points. I, I'm just not I'm not super high on him as a as a draft guy. I've seen him some places in the 30s. I think that's uh, that's pretty dang high. Yeah, I, I would not. Um... Michael Foster would not be someone that I'm particularly interested in more from a stylistic perspective um, than anything else. Like, and from a field perspective, like you hit the nail on the head, uh, makes a lot of selfish ish decisions, uh, makes some reads that i don't know if they're reads yeah we've we've traded a few Um, clips back and forth that i I don't know what the intention of this pass was where was this supposed to go yeah um yeah he's gonna put up points and rebounds that's for sure i would like to see him I think that the best thing Michael Foster could do, let's finish constructively. uh, The best thing Michael Foster could do is focus really hard on playing defense, playing hard on defense, um, being an impact rim protector and being willing to throw his body around in a positive way, work mechanically on playing vertically at the rim. He doesn't have the best tools necessarily to be like an impact rim protector at the center position, but that's going to be what he has to do. Like, he has a pretty thick chest. Like, I think it's pretty hard for guys to go through him. Uh, that's going to be his route to the NBA. He needs to be better at all of the things that aren't, like, star-level um, impacts yeah, ir- ir- right now. Ironically, went through the same grassroots program as Kevon Looney. So it's, like, kind of try to do that. Try to be Kevon Looney. Yeah. Em- embrace that sort of role and... You can be an NBA center as undersized and, and play hard and rebound and box out, score on broken plays, and then 
maybe channel some of that inner Marshawn Beauchamp too. Like we're positive about him because he's not trying to do too much and he's he's playing his role and, and not trying to show he's a, a three and not trying to show he can shoot and self-create. Like let the guards do that and step out and just make the most of your opportunities without sabotaging offensively what your team's trying to do. Right, and if you remember with Kevon Looney in high school, I mean, this is a guy that, oh, like, is he, like, kind of a six foot nine, like, almost guard? Like, he can <laughs> yeah, that, that's, attack that's, the rim, he can go right. transition, like, he's That's That's the title of the, the YouTube video. Is this a six nine guard? And then you're going right. to look like at it. And, <laughs> the the <laughs> real, highlight video. Real yeah. evaluators look at it and say, no, he's not. But that's a nice move he made in transition. Like, you, you can still do right. that. I don't, I don't think... Jabari Smith is a, a 6'10 guard, but you got a one-on-one in the break, you want to put it behind your back and dunk, that's fine. Just just don't totally. do it in the half court all the time. Totally, 100%. So uh, let's go from the G League to talking about a player that decided to not go the G League route. But first, let's take a quick commercial break. We're talking about players securing the bag. When they get drafted in June, I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Okay, we're back. Uh, let's talk about Imani Bates and Memphis and Jalen Duran to an extent. Mm, okay. uh, 
they beat Virginia Tech uh, at what, what tournament did they play? Was it the NIT tournament? Like, yes, it was in New York, right? I think it was the NIT season tip-off. That's ringing a bell for some reason. So uh, they right. played Don't Virginia Tech, beat that team by eight points. They played Iowa State, lost to Iowa State by 12. Uh, I did not think they looked good in either game. Uh, their athleticism defensively just kind of overwhelmed an under-athletic by Power 5 standards Virginia Tech team that you know has Keve Aluma and Storm Murphy and Hunter Couture out there. Uh, those guys just like aren't amazing athletes by any stretch. Uh, Naheem Aline uh, is probably their best athlete as uh, among the starters at least and he went for 21. Like yep. the, the guy that kind of matched up best with them is the one that went off, which shouldn't come as a huge surprise, I guess. Uh, I I have some worries about what we've seen from Memphis and Imani Bates so far. Uh, Before I get into mine, I I will give you the floor to jump in. (laughs) Well, look, I'm happy to take it, but I I, I want to make this I'm going to throw this grenade in the room and close the door. You can start by... (laughs) <laughs> battering yourself in and putting rocks around your head. You can you yeah, can take I've, this positively. Passed. I'm good to I'm, I'm good to be the uh, bad guy on this. I can one. do both. I can straddle. Yeah. I, I've sort of been dreading this conversation as we I do know. have the, as we have, and here's why: we have the cop out. He's not draft eligible. So like, I didn't even have a, a line <laughs> in my document on Imani Bates because I don't have to. We'll, we'll talk about him in a year. Hope he figures it out. Scoot Henderson has messed up a lot of people's worlds this week, and one of them is Imani Bates because they're in the same class. They're the same age, yeah. and Scoot's doing against pros, and Imani's struggling against Virginia Tech and, and Iowa State. Imani's not been good. It, it's It's been a painful watch. He's really out of position playing point guard, and with, with yes. all his touches and, and all his usage, he's averaging 1.5 assists to 2.8 turnovers per game. Not making the right reads. He's turning it over. The The shot selection is questionable. He always goes back to his right hand. Even when he's driving left, he's yeah. like leaning back to his right for a finish. He just doesn't have that quick twitch really craft or processing either. I, I think the move here is, and I'm not a basketball coach, and I'm not telling Penny Hardaway or Larry Brown and Cody Topper, those guys are way smarter than I am basketball was. We need to get him on the wing. I know they don't really have a point guard. I don't know if it's Tyler Harris. I don't know if it's Alex Lomax. I don't know who it is. But that Iowa State game, I, I actually rewatched it this morning because I'm like, I got to go back. I don't want to just say this is my reaction off this. He had one play where he ran wide. The ball advanced to him. He pulled up and hit a three. Like, just do that. Like, don't yeah. overcomplicate it. I don't – he's also – I'm going to give him this benefit. He's 17 years old. He, he turns yes. 18 in January. For him – and his basketball development, I'm actually happy he's in college. Like, you can do the G League thing in a year. That's like life comes at you. This is life comes at you fast, not really fast. He's learning from Penny Hardaway. He's learning from Larry Brown. Take your criticism here as opposed to the G League where he would take lumps or, or 30 points a game at Yipsy Prep playing Mikey Williams in Vertical Academy, whatever it is. There's here at Memphis, there's a newfound level of accountability, but those guys are letting him play. They're letting him figure it out. I think for his yeah. own his own yeah. self and his own basketball future, and it's still very bright. He's still 17 years old, so I don't want people going crazy. He's better suited as a wing. He's not a point guard. He's a wing with very good vision. I just don't want him initiating the offense. And he just, you can see it, it's so forced that he feels like he has to make a play every time that he's over dribbling almost by, he thinks, necessity. So 
I think we're at pushback on that just a little bit because I think a hundred. I think almost a hundred percent of what you said is right there. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad he's in college. I think it's better for his development that he's in college. I think that it makes sense for uh, his developmental trajectory to take his lumps here. I think that's all right. Are we sure he has good vision? Because here's well, well, what but, I would say. I think that sometimes he's a good passer. Right. I don't think he has good vision. And, and the reason that That's I fair. say that is you watch him coming out of ball screens. And I don't even think he's looking at the help defender. Like, I, I'm just going to say, like, I don't think he's looking to see, okay, is the help defender coming over to tag the roller? Or is he staying home on the shooter? Right, right. What is, who's open? Is Jalen Duran going to be open for a lob? Is Malcolm Dandridge going to be open for a lob? Uh, he, there was a play, he came around a ball screen, I believe from Jalen Duran. Had the pocket, like, short roll pass open to Duran, who could then drive and had, like, a wide open driving lane. Yep. Had a cross corner kick if he really wanted it. Uh, to I forget who was in the corner. might have been Landers Nolly. Mm-hmm. And had a same side kick out as well because the defenders had decided to essentially stack the paint. And yep. this was against Iowa State. Instead, he just puts his head down, drives into three defenders, turns it over. Throws uh, it up. I yeah. think that most evaluators have seen the like crazy spinning, oh, like, no. Behind yep. the back or yeah. behind the head, um, pass out of bounds. Out of bounds mm-hmm. That was not ideal. All that good. Yeah. All not ideal. Let's go with that. <laughs> I I agree with you totally that he's not a point guard. Mm-hmm. But even to play as a secondary ball handler and as a shot creating wing, you still need to be able to make reads out of ball screens and still need to be able to make reads that uh, get your teammates and your team more efficient shots. And again, this is going to be good for him to be at Memphis to take these lumps because he's 17. He would not have learned this in high school, would not have learned this stuff on the AAU circuit. Hopefully he will learn it at Memphis. Right. But that's the next step for Imani because Right now, he is pretty harmful against good teams offensively because he doesn't make those reads. He's good in transition, but in half-court settings, he's actually pretty harmful. And then we go to the defensive side. Um, Yes. It's been bad. Like, there was a play that I sent you where they were in, like, a three-quarter court kind of uh, like semi-press, I guess, Mm -hmm. let's say, like a soft press, and then sank back. And I think what was supposed to happen was they were supposed to sink back. So I went back and watched the next possession, and they were in like a similar style zone. And I think what was supposed to happen was they were supposed to sink back into like a 1-3-1, 2-3 hybrid kind of, like 3-2 hybrid kind of thing. Yep. And... Imani did not know it and just chased his guy around to the other side of the court and the spot where he was supposed to be on the left wing, uh, who was it? I believe it was Gabe Kalsher, ended up with like a wide open three. Um, whenever teams attack him as a help defender, 
he just consistently ball watches and leaves his guy and there's a kick out open every single time. Yep. He really needs to lock in on the defensive end because there have been a lot of moments that have been very, very, very negative. Um, I honestly would like to see Penny Hardaway start to like force some accountability and like take him off the court whenever he makes these mistakes, because some of them are like, I don't know what your thought process was there. Um, and he's getting, like, you can see, like, against Iowa State, like, I, I forget, like, I think he turned the ball over at one point, and, like, he fell on the ground and, like, had the ball in his hand still, and he slammed the ball on the ground, like, three times, and Jalen Duran, like, went up to him and was like, hey, dude, like, you know, it's really? all good, like, we got mm-hmm. you. It was, like, being a really good teammate, but, like, you can see that he's starting to get a little bit frustrated as well, I think, and I'm uh, a bit, I'm a bit worried about Imani Bates right now. They're stronger defenders, too. I mean, Iowa State did a really good job of rotating and double-teaming and stepping up in the paint, too, that there's times, and it's still an adjustment for him because he, he would totally. get a he would get a friendly whistle in high school. People know who he is. Like, refs aren't going to come in and pretend like they don't know who he is. So when you go in the lane to get hit, you're going to get a whistle. Some freshmen get him. Sometimes you don't. I think his brain's a little bit cloudy coming off pick and rolls, and I think part of this developmental thing that we talk about is that He's never been a point guard. I know you have to know how to come off pick and rolls, but he's always been like one track minded where yeah. like I'm gonna get forty, so I'm coming off to look to score. I don't think he's been asked to really see the guy in the corner, the roll man, a short roll. So he's totally. coming off like freedom, I have a step, I need to shoot. As a point guard, that's very dangerous. Defensively, it's yeah, there's there's some lost in space stuff there. No no questions asked. Again, I'll just hammer this home and, and why I said the day he signed and, and committed and I, I stick true to this. Memphis was still the right place because he's doing this, and we're talking about this, and I said I dreaded talking about this. This is not a national story. Like, people are kind of whispering about it, talking yeah. in basketball circles. This isn't the lead-in on SportsCenter that, you know, you lose by 20 and you're on the road. and It's it's a slow process being at Memphis. This wasn't at 930 in Vegas with 20,000 people and 100 NBA scouts. NBA scouts were there. I talked to people who left totally. being like, this was a little bit disappointing, and left saying, well, I mean, Jalen Duran and, and Imani Bates combined for zero points in the first half. Like, what am I watching? Why am I here and, and not in Vegas? It's going to get to that point. Like, people are going to start to poke holes eventually. But he, he's been able to – he hasn't warmed up, but there's more time on his clock to get there before people start really getting concerned. I'm worried. Uh, yeah. I, I'm worried, yes, to note that. But I'm not totally, like, off it quite yet because I, I want to give him the benefit of playing 10 games as a 17-year-old. Yeah, and – you know, we're talking about it now. I mean, we didn't lead with it on the podcast. Um, we are not Sports Center, obviously. A weirdly large number of people listen to this podcast for some reason. <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, they're they're fans know, of we... the bathroom art I have behind me. Tiling. <laughs> it's actually peel off wallpaper. My wife put it up. It's really nice. Anyway, I agree with you. But yeah, like we didn't lead with it because we don't think that like we think he's five games into his career. Yeah. And, we want to be patient Correct. on some level. I also just worry like, so he's six foot, six foot eight, let's say. Okay. Yeah. That around that range. He's not six, nine, <laughs> but I think the, I, I think he measured at what? Six, seven. They list him at six, eight something or something like that. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So six, six, seven, six, eight, 
something like that. Even wingspan. Doesn't have any real vertical pop mm-hmm. in half court settings. Right. Very skinny frame. If he doesn't learn to make these high-level passing reads, what is the upside? Is kind of where I'm coming to with this. That's that's, like the, that, that's the problem. If he doesn't he doesn't right. hit shots, where where does he go? If he can't finish, if, it would be one thing if he was shooting 45 percent from three, but hey, like at the rim, right. he, he's in the fifth percentile on synergy. Like that, okay, that's fixable. That's that's a weight room. That's reps, whatever. But when they're both bad. That's where you start to say, like, I don't, I, I don't know what that is then. Whereas we, we do have other freshmen and Caleb Houston and, and Max Christie that have been up and down, and, and we're kind of giving them a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. It's harder for Amani because he had these unreal expectations. as a, Unfair, a gen- Frank. A, a very unfair as this generational yeah. talent. It's, we've seen time and time again, like, those guys, it, it's hard to, to reach that. And, and that's why you look at LeBron James, and it's just incredible that – He's reached those heights and and, and then some. For yeah. Imani, you're just always like living up to that. I'm sure it's a, an incredibly heavy burden to carry, but unfortunately, we're we're in a, a business, we're in an industry of evaluation and tens of millions of dollars spent on draft picks and, and people's livelihoods online. If you miss and you can't miss, so he's going to have to do more to to gain more fans. And he has time. He's also not draft eligible, so th- this yeah. can be a conversation again. We'll have five times in the next year. But there, there needs to be growth for the next time we talk. Yeah, like, to me, this is not a we're writing Imani Bates off conversation. No, not for This me. is a, okay, constructively, this is what we hope to see moving forward. Uh, this is where we think the spaces are, where he can take a leap. And hopefully when we talk about him again in a month and a half or whatever, looks fine. Yeah, right. this this, um, this is like the the halfway through the year progress report, parent teacher conferences. When you bring it, you're brought right. in, and they say, "Hey, you know, like he's he's got three in effort. He's he's better than this. He can get to a two, one, a little bit." This isn't a report card. This is a transcript. You know, we got time before those come out. You got to start doing that with your son, who's <laughs> like two years old. You got to, yeah, yeah. Look, you're midway through. You know, your second year on Earth or your third year on Earth, I guess. We need you to take a step up. Yeah, you, on, you have to advance beyond listening to only two Christmas songs. We're, we're going to get to four next week. you got to relax. It's, yeah. it's not always going to be NSYNC Christmas. Yeah, th- those truck videos, we're going to cut those <laughs> in half. We're going to start making you read Pick and Roll. Yeah, I, I, he's, he's, he's smooth, man. He was, uh, I was trying to put him in bed last night, and I had on, on my, the game on my laptop and the TV on, on trucks, and I turned off the TV smart, nuzzled right up next to me. What's that boy's name? What's that boy's name? Watching Iowa, Virginia. I'm like, you're it. smart. You're smarter than me. Just ready. We're, yeah, we're, he's, we're ready. Ready. he's ready. He's ready. Breaking down film. And he's a big kid, too. Uh, he is. You know, takes, he is. A, takes after six foot eight Matthew Penny. We're, uh, we're ready to go here. Luckily. Uh, okay. Speaking of Monty Bates, Jalen Duran is also on this team. I think Jalen Duran has just significantly, substantially been hindered by the lack of point guard here. Yes. Um, right now, what he would be best at offensively is just being a rim runner. Uh, yeah. I think he actually really needs to improve as a screen setter for what it's worth. Like, there are some moments where he sets some really lazy screens, I think, uh, and doesn't open up like space for someone like Monty Bates, someone like Alex Lomax, whoever is taking these screens. But I think he would be substantially helped by being able to uh, catch lobs uh, out of ball screens and having like 
Landers Nolly on the same side as the roll and forcing a tough decision where a tagger has to stay home on a shooter. Like they have enough shooters to where you can make an offense work here um, because Imani does get respected as a shooter at the very least. Yep. Uh, Lester Canones, Landers Nolly, like those guys definitely get respected as shooters. You can run some real interesting same side actions for them. But you need to be able to hit the passes. And in Jalen Duren's case, he needs to be able to roll the way to the rim and catch and finish. Uh, I like some of what I've seen on the offensive glass from him. I think he's been pretty active on that front. I don't think that his skill level is as high as what I had hoped coming into college basketball. Right. And that feels like a concern right now for me. Um, given the way that the season seems to be progressing offensively, at least for Memphis, he the Jalen Duran that people have seen right now is not the Jalen Duran from high school. He's not the Jalen Duran from the summer. Not from Jalen Duran from the preseason. It, it's just yeah. been ugly lately. It, it's lots of fouls, lots of turnovers. He's he's playing twenty minutes a night because he can't stay on the floor. Yeah, and, that, and I will. I'll give him some leeway. Uh, I believe it was the Virginia Tech game. He picked up two fouls Quick. and then picked up a third one pretty early in the in the second half. Uh, two of those fouls are just fucking terrible. There's been a lot of ref shoot shows, and it, 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 he's a hard guard to referee and officiate because he is so big and strong. Yeah. And the scouting report's going to be take a charge, he hits you once, fall over. And it doesn't look like a flop because right. he's, he's 6'10", built out of marble. His shot attempts. He was three for seven against Virginia Tech, one for four against Iowa State. Yeah, he gets a panic when when he's like double teamed the post. I think that's part of like the the reads and processing thing. And then he gets frustrated. He'll take some early shot early shots in the shot clock. He got charged, got called for a charge over a, a short roll. It, it, you said yeah. it. It's similar to Amani. Just like simplify what you're doing. Don't try to thread the needle with interior passes. He's had some like bad tos doing that. If it's not there, you hit the wing, you dive, you repost, you, you get yourself going from five feet and in, and, and then everything else can work. You can do your little 12-foot face-up short jumpers. I'm also worried defensively. Like He's not flying around the, the same way that he has been either. Those first four or five games, he had four or five blocks. Yeah. And he was like going nuts out footed. there. Yeah, like which is weird because he has big feet, but sort of what I've said is he can move with said big feet. They're getting into the meat of their schedule now. The, the, those shortcuts are going to be exposed even more. So I, I hope that he can kind of channel the Jalen Duran of the summer of he declares to go to Memphis early and people saying this is the top pick in the draft. This is a top three pick. He, he's sliding just a little bit. Um, like like Amani, give him time. we we got to give him five, ten games. thought he'd be just a, a little bit further along right here right now. Yeah, so you know they play the best antidote for any college basketball team right now, the Georgia Bulldogs on Wednesday. Oh, I forgot so about that. Yeah, slump buster. That'll be nice. Yep. Uh, Georgia, for people who have not been paying attention, is two and five and has lost to Wofford uh, at and home. gotten yeah lost to Wofford at home 
gotten blown out by Northwestern, lost to Virginia, another team that was in desperate need of an antidote, uh, <laughs> lost to Georgia Tech, who was another team in desperate need of an antidote after yes. losing to Miami, Ohio, to start the season. Good uh, they played a tough one with FIU to start the year, so uh, I would hope... Look, if they play poorly against Georgia, that's where the, uh, that's where the flags start that's coming out. That, that's where you start to get a little bit too worried. <laughs> the worry turns uh, real. Okay. Let's uh let's go away from Memphis. Let's talk about Gonzaga and Duke. Yeah. Interesting game. Great game. I did awesome. not watch it live. It was right as I was sitting down to do Thanksgiving dinner on Saturday here in Australia. Uh what an incredible game. Like it it was such an incredible game that like every time they would pan over to Mark Few, he was just smiling. Like you could see the <laughs> one time that he he like he says Nolan Hickman like go in and they panned the camera to him as Hickman was sitting at the scores table. And he goes up to Hickman. It just looks like he said to him, like, hey, you're about to enter a really fucking great game. Yeah, Like, he was, was just, like, right. loving it. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, like, Coach K goes up to him and he's, like, oh, somber. And yeah. he's, you know, like, oh, man, so sorry that we just beat you. Like, everything. Mark had, like, the biggest smile on his face. He was just like... That was amazing. Like, yeah. it looked like that, he was that, saying, that was like, a, a very similar reaction to, I don't know if you saw when, when Kansas lost to Dayton with, like, that back rim and the ball goes sky high and it yeah. falls back in. Dayton's going nuts. They're going crazy. And normally, like, when coaches lose like that, they storm off. Bill Self's smiling. Go through the line. Like, hey, man, great shot. Yeah. That was awesome. I don't know if these guys are as itchy to play college basketball games again, but they're all taking it a lot better in stride than you would expect. Totally. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, okay, so the first half of that game was the Paulo Boncaro show. Oh, yeah. I uh, had... 20, I think, in the first half, yep. right? Uh, just all sorts of ridiculous pull-ups, all sorts of unbelievable uh, created shots. It, it was it was a very, very impressive half of basketball from Paulo. Uh, what, what do you have to say? Let's just kind of he, 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 he was great. He was. And he, he definitely won the battle with Chet Holmgren, which the irony is that yeah. Chet has generally had his number when they've, when they've faced off. Uh, I I actually do want to call out. We're we're talking fun. Let's stay on fun. It was great that the game started and Chet Holmgren was guarding Paulo Bancaro and Paulo Bancaro was guarding Chet Holmgren. So often you get these yeah. games and they're guarding other people and they ended up switching later because Chet into foul trouble and he realized he could hide a little bit, take a few plays off, and, and Paulo was not going to let you take a few plays off when he had the ball. I like yeah. Paulo's aggressiveness. He went right at Chet the first possession. He hit a mid range shot the next. Uh, fall, falling touch, he had a three in transition. We've talked about how he's the the king of the this mid-range jumper. I looked on, on Synergy as I was kind of like doing my own little research here. He actually ranks in the 100th percentile. He is first in the country in mid-range jump shots points per possession. Like that's that's actually statistically how, how good he is there. And if he becomes this knockdown shooter in transition from the corners, he's seven for 16 his last three games. Man, that's a scary prospect. It is. If, if you're able to keep those driving lanes open and, and hit shots, I mean, that, that's a, a really, really scary thing. Now, the negatives, he can take some crazy fadeaways that you have to live with, and then he'll make up for it uh, a play later. But uh, everything, the way he approached the game and went right at Chet, he backed up the hype he received all year. He had 21 points on 8 for 17 shooting. He likely would have had 30 or 35 if it weren't for cramps, cramping issues, which – is a Duke yeah. thing now. Like, they, they cramped against Kentucky. They cramped here against Gonzaga. Uh, I don't know the issue. I'm not a, 
I'm not a medical professional. I don't <laughs> I don't post myself on Facebook about the the, the medical world, and I'm, I'm not a trainer, but not really something to track. O- overall, he, he was he was everything we wanted to be. Yeah, everything that we could have hoped for from Paulo. I, I don't really have anything to add to that. I mean, we talked a lot about Paulo after the Champions Classic. It was a lot of the same here, just a lot of ridiculously high-level shot creation. He had two really impressive drives, I thought, to the rim, uh, both with the right hand, one of them uh, right through Chet Holmgren, oh, like, yeah. right through his chest. And I think that that is where I would start with Chet now is I thought Chet looked pretty solid for the most part. The thing that Chet is going to have to, and has already started to figure out like how to do, I don't mean this as a, um, this is like where he desperately has to improve. He's a lot more effective as a defender when he has his body off of the man, as opposed to when he has to, like load up and someone goes tries to go through his chest, right? Mm-hmm. And that's obvious, right? Like, right. you know, Chet is seven foot, one hundred and eighty five, one hundred ninety five pounds, right? Uh, you know, I'd imagine that he's starting to lose weight as guys are wont to do throughout the season. Uh, it just kind of happens with the way that that works. Um, you know, is your you have less time to bulk and like put on muscle mass throughout the year. Yep. So, you know, you're running and playing basketball. You're just going to kind of naturally lose weight throughout the year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he holds up in that respect. Uh, because there were a couple moments where I thought that when guys wanted to go through his chest, they didn't really have as many problems as I would have hoped that he could have possibly even presented. But when he's away from the body, I mean, there's almost, I mean, there are very few, let's say, defenders in college basketball who are as impactful as Chet Holmgren can be. I I may be in the minority here. I was actually enthused. Uh, the internet was very quick to trash him in the first half. It was over, yeah. right? Right, Paulo, and he's the number one pick. You guys are idiots. Well, like, what, are, what are people watching? Because Paulo got him. He did. Like, hard stop. Got him. What I've said time and time again about Chet Holmgren, going going back to high school, is that he's not scared. He's he, he's not afraid. He he's not going to run. Yes, he might be scored through, like like the player alluding to with Paul Bancaro. Mark Williams dunked on his head and did like the head tap thing. Like, yes, I dunked on you. He doesn't care. He he just runs back. He took a three in the next possession. He doesn't mope. He doesn't pout. He still had sixteen, seven, and three blocks. And then I love seeing that slender frame, like, kind of withstand some bumps. Not all. Like, withstood some and then kind of recovered and blocked shots. NBA front offices are going to have very difficult decisions to make at the top of this draft. Because if you want the instant gratification right now, you, you probably take Paolo, right? Like, if you're yeah. the Pistons, you, you, you need to win. Like, Troy Weaver's done a good job building that team, a lot of young pieces. I don't know if you have the patience for Chet to kind of fill out and 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 be the guy that he can be if you have patience Chet's the guy because he's going to get a long look because of everything else he brings and if you have enough belief and potentially imagination if he can put on weight then you have to envision him as a prospect with 20 more pounds so yes Chet took the L Paulo was the win there but there was enough that I I was still I I left away with positive thoughts based on I thought Paulo was going to break him in half and, and Chet was still able to like leave his mark leave his imprint while losing and not necessarily like taking this nose dive as a prospect either. 
I don't know if I want to get into this on this podcast, but there is a third guy um, in that number one overall pick race. Mm -hmm. And the more I think about the potential of his game, the more I really like Jabari Smith in oh, terms of is, like... This is a really good cliffhanger for, for the next pod. Stay silly? tuned. We'll be, we'll be back. Yeah, maybe we'll do that next episode. <laughs> yeah. We'll do like Jabari We're, we're in an hour. I think Jabari's worth uh, his own 15-minute segment too. Yeah, no, he is. And we have been yeah going for long enough now. So I do want to talk about Mark Williams though. Yeah, because a couple of guys here still. Mark Williams, I thought, was the most important, most impactful player in that game. Full stop. He was utterly elite across the board defensively. There is no ifs, ands, buts, whatever you want to say about it. That dude was absolutely incredible in that game defensively. Uh, around the basket with his hands, uh, reading ball screens. Gonzaga is not an easy team to defend out of their ball screen actions. Mark Williams made it look easy. He completely shut down the paint. He had six blocks. I thought that two of his like potential blocks. Um, oh, one of them was not a foul. Yeah, it was bad. Fouls the, on. the Timmy one was yeah. really bad. Yeah, it was incredibly impressive. And oh, by the way, I mean, what he had seventeen points, if I remember correctly, and like nine rebounds. It, it was if you're a fan of Mark Williams, and I, I am a fan of Mark Williams. Like I think he's a starting center in the NBA long term. Uh, it was everything that you would hope to see from him in a game like that. Uh, I was blown away yeah. by what he was able to show. Yeah, eight for nine from the field. Last year, and, and I'm wrong, I'll, I'll raise my hand, and Duke was a very interesting also case study last year because you had so much other stuff going, going on that I kind of wrote him off as, as a little bit as fool's gold because it's the end of the year, they needed somebody to score, mm. needed somebody to get rebounds. So he had all these touches. I just I didn't think that he would kind of live up to that. I think he's been even better as a prospect and that game he was everywhere he was dunking he was blocking shots he was making his presence felt it was defense to offense one of the first plays of the game he blocks chet at the rim sprints up the middle of the court like sprints past drew timmy catches it and, and scores yeah. and then there's another one where he's just rotating he's catching he's finishing lobs i, I like his feet his footwork on pick and rolls too he's not going to yeah. travel if it's a bad pass he has pretty good fluidity there he hit a lefty hook, he, which, which I was he's like, really, really good at opening up his body and creating a really big target for his guards to hit, while totally. also taking up a lot of space and sealing off uh, potential defenders uh, on the catch. Yeah, he, I, I liked everything I saw. I, I think you're, you're right. He's efficient. He he scored. He rebounded. He defended. He did everything you want for a starting center. Have you ever seen Drew Timmy struggle as much with a player at the basket trying to score? I have not. Uh, uh, in that description, no. But kind of like I was just had flashbacks to the Baylor game, all the ball screens. And yeah. He just wasn't the same. And, and Timmy still got his points, but you saw sort of the pro limitations where Mark Williams is a, an NBA center. This is the size you're going to face. In the first couple possessions yeah. – he was blocked. He kind of leaned into him. Like, he was a non-factor for a long time because he wasn't used to playing that type of player. We didn't see the mustache dance too much that night. Like, he, he kept the, no. the mustache in his bag for, for Mark Williams and, and Paolo. And uh, I'll give Timmy credit for, for bouncing back a little bit, but he was uh, he did not win that battle in the post. No, he didn't. Uh, the other guy we have to talk about, I think, is Wendell Moore here. 
I loved Wendell Moore coming out of high school. I yeah. loved him. Me too. I thought he was like so skilled, so polished. Like he was more of a driver in high school, obviously still is. Uh he's improved a little bit as a shooter. But I, I really, really loved everything. He was six foot five, he has like a six eleven wingspan. I was so impressed in the first two years of not gone well. Like it, it seemed like there was mm-hmm. a real athletic adjustment for him to college basketball in learning how to use his frame, learning how to create shots for himself. I love what I've seen from him so far. I think he is probably, I, I don't know, like all of Keel's, Paulo, obviously, Mark Williams, they're all incredibly important to Duke. Um, I've seen some people make the case that he's their most important player. I don't think I would go that far, but he is incredibly valuable to them on the wing because he is like a steady presence out there that knows what he's doing. My, uh, my concern on Wendell Moore as an NBA player is he's not a great shooter and is not like a super athlete on defense. Yep. And I worry about what the role looks like. But throughout the year, he's been an excellent passer. He's made every right read, I think. He's a good rebounder. He gets to the rim. He's made shots so far. We'll see if that lasts. Yep. I've been very impressed with Wendell Moore. He's definitely helped himself. I don't think I would have him as a first-rounder right now, but I think he's been very, very good. Very, very good. He, he's close for me. He is. He's, he's right there. It's it's weird because I, I everything like you, I, I liked him as a top 30 guy at high school. I thought he sort of lost his way last season, and they needed him. I mean, the Jalen Johnson experiment didn't work. They thought he would kind of be the, yeah. the torch carrier offensively, and then – Mark Williams is really good. Matthew Hurt carried a, a heavy offensive load. They needed him, and he he wasn't good. Like I, I didn't think that he would become this guy. And as an outsider, and not yeah. having any intel on, on Duke in their locker room, it feels to me like he settled into being a high level complementary piece where he can become the guy when needed. Whereas last year they needed to be the guy, and maybe that was just too much. Like that was too much for him, and he couldn't really like take that on as a sophomore. Now his and numbers have improved everywhere. He had, he had 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. All his movements offensively seem so much more natural. Like, he, he's not overthinking, do I pass, do I shoot, whatever. Like, the ball gets reversed. It's a quick move. It doesn't stick to him. He's using his frame better, I think, too, to, to get in the paint and embrace in contact with the rotating big while powering through. Overall, the aggression is, is advanced for where it's been. And on defense, he, I, I do have similar issues, but he will pressure the ball. He'll, he'll, he'll get up there and defend. Like his size, like his wingspan, he, he's, he's close. He's really close. And he, he deserves credit. He, he took, like some of these guys, they, they just, for Duke, it seems especially, sometimes when you get to Duke, you get to that second year, years three and four, just mirror year two. And that's all right. Like he, he averaged nine points per game, just be that guy, a four-year Duke guy. But he, he's asserted yep. himself as like, no, I'm actually, I am a Duke guy, yes, but like I'm also a, a first-round NBA prospect. Yeah, I agree with that. The last guy I think that I do want to mention here is Julian Strother. Oh, buddy. We talked about on the podcast kind of previewing uh, the Duke-Gonzaga game that we recorded, the Factor Fiction podcast about whether or not Gonzaga has multiple first-round picks. 
That was a Matthew Penny special. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also like Julian Strother, for what it's worth, but I'm going to give Penny here the credit on this one. Uh, Julian Strother goes for 20 points. I don't know how much of it was, like, super translatable. Some of them were, like, floaters in transition. Some of them were, like, wide-open threes. I'd like to see him make threes a little bit more off of movement. But he scored 20 points against Duke uh, in a matchup of the top two teams in the country, for my money. Uh, And he did it. With excellent touch, so it, it was an impressive game. I thought. Yeah, six seven three level scorer. And, and last night he wasn't great against Charlton yeah. State. But he was averaging fifteen and six. He prior to last night he was shooting fifty four from the field, forty seven from three, seventy five percent from the free throw line. He can be a cutter. He can be a slasher. He he's great not having to have the ball in his hands, similar to like Kendall Brown a little bit, where he'll just like back cut and, and get a touch, reverse it if it's not there. Yep. The shots in front of his face, it, it's a little bit funky, but he does he does these little sneaky things where Drew Timmy's blocked by Mark Williams, the, the crowd erupts, and he just like sneaks in for rebound and scores. Like that that's what he can do. And and off the bounce, he has a little bit of a floater, can finish at the rim. In thirty seconds, sell me on how he's not a top twenty five pick. In a weaker draft, yeah, we're, we're, we're searching. Like I, I it's hard for yeah, me yeah, as yeah. I, I work on the board to not have him there. Yeah, so I don't think you're wrong to have him there right now. Uh, I probably would not. I'm a little bit worried about the athleticism on defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I need to see a little bit more from him in regard to his passing as well. Uh, Right now, the role is so simplified. Hey, back cut, shoot, find little ways in for floaters, all of that stuff. Like, that's... A really really good role for him and it's an important role for Gonzaga within that offense now if he can defend I think that the passing is less important uh, I, I would just like to see more tape I guess from him yep, that's fair. I'm not sure where he's going to settle in on that end he's not a crazy athlete like he is six foot seven I would guess like he's not he doesn't have short arms. Like, I would guess, like, probably 6'10 wingspan, something like that. Yeah, probably in that range. It's not negative. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, so really impressed with Julian Strother. I think he is in the mix for the 2022 draft. I will be interested to see if he ends up doing and going through the 2022 draft, given Gonzaga's track record of typically keeping guys for a year uh, beyond what, like, we think that they typically should or do. Yep, fair point. Okay. Last uh, little section here. We want to highlight two prospects. Uh, We'll call them, like, the quote-unquote NBA draft prospects of the week, Uh, the game theory prospects of the week. As you can tell, I took a lot of thought into this. (laughs) Really, we just want to talk about two guys. Just branding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, uh, the game theory prospects of the week. Matthew Penny, give me give me yours to start. Uh, I feel like I was bamboozled here a little bit, but I, we should at least talk about Keegan Murray from Iowa. I know we, we both yeah, watched, like the, watched these, the game last night. These prospects aren't, they aren't necessarily the guys that we're most impressed with. They're just guys we want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, and, and not total hipster. He's ranked 247th, but he's got a shot. He's got a chance. Maybe yours is, but... Um, I, I I circled last night Iowa played Virginia yeah. because Keegan Murray was leading the nation in scoring, rebounding, blocking shots, but was doing it against just not the, the highest level of competition. So I, I was excited about Virginia. And then he had 18-6. and six. It was just kind of like a, a lukewarm 18-6. and six. Like, 
he tried early to to beat his man off the bounce. Didn't really happen, so he, he went to some quick post ups, was scoring there. He kept going to that from like the pinch post, knowing he had room and, and space to operate. He'll he ball fake and defenders would go off him a little bit. Defense, I, I thought he overcommitted. He he did find like cutters here and there, but I, is there like I, I just it was just it, underwhelming, right? It's like the the game was on the line. He he wasn't the the guy to have the ball. They weren't even really looking for him. He got hurt, so he's out a little bit. His twin brother Chris was a little bit more aggressive out there, like finding his own shot. So he, he plays Purdue. Yeah, hot take. I do not want Chris Murray to be the more aggressive Murray. <laughs> yeah. uh, for Murray, 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 Murray one, Murray two. They're, I tweeted this. They're twins, and one's a righty, one's a lefty. That would freak me out. Then somebody, uh, I think draft deep or some, somebody tweeted me and said, "What if one wore number fifteen and one wore fifty-one? So that would really mess me up. <laughs> Anywho, uh, I, I'm not writing him off. Uh, I, I thought kind of like a no. top twenty-ish guy. He, he was fine. Eighteen and six is, is not bad. It just had to be more to, to get me excited. I, I'm hoping Purdue, and I think they have Illinois after that, he'll he'll get his chances to show what he's able to do because in the games of four, he showed he could pick and pop. He can hit some threes. He can get out in transition. He can rebound. He can dunk over guys, get to the free throw line. We didn't see the whole package last night. Yeah, none of it was particularly translatable last night. Yeah, it's like, a good way to put it. say that. Like, it was no, no NBA team's going to run, like, pinch post, empty out the side for Keegan Murray. Yeah, this, clear out. Right? Wave, like, wave him out. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, like he made a catch and shoot three that was really impressive. I mm-hmm. thought like that that was the one moment where I was like, okay, like this is an important moment for him. Uh, he had a couple of strong contests at the basket. Like you texted me, like what do we think he is? Small ball five yeah. potentially, I, or can he I, play some small ball five? He he had a couple of contests last night at the basket that made me think that could be a possibility in the right situation. Uh, I want to see more of that, obviously, but. Yeah, there. It it wasn't like an overly impressive game. Iowa kind of pissed it away down the stretch before a Joe Toussaint like weird mid range shot. Off the glass. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you kind of stopped. You could pay like half attention. You kept looking back. It's like it's ten. It's eight. It's tied game. They're losing. What, what's going yeah. on here? Let, let me dial back in. Uh, the five thing just came to me a little bit because. The foot speed defensively is a four. I don't. I don't know if we're we're there, yeah. and we'll we'll have to see more. And that's why I was drawn to the five. You said, well, he's got to protect the rim. He'll contest. Uh, he had four blocks a game early in the year against again, probably playing a six foot six center. That's that's not the same as playing Mark <laughs> Williams at six eleven with a seven foot nine wingspan. So there's uh, adjustments to be made. More more games to watch. Okay, my prospect of the week here is Jake Laravia, yeah, who is a player that. Uh, Matt has not seen play yet. <laughs> it's great. At the very Cause, least. Right, because we, we have all day, day before the prep. Uh, I'm watching. I'm like, i got time to watch film. And you, you hit me with this big whammy before we, we record. So I'm going to give you the floor because I have not watched Wake Forest yet up to this point in the season. Yeah. He's a young Matt Penny. He's a six foot eight <laughs> white kid currently playing for Wake Forest. Yeah. Uh, he is awesome. <laughs> like, he essentially, like, runs their offense as a six foot eight uh i don't even know like a point forward like almost a guard uh his feel for the game is absolutely outstanding uh he throws passes that nobody else on wake forest even like comes close to seeing like i think they're surprised when he like throws like a cross corner chest pass from the top of the key and like drills it right in the shooter's pocket um i think he's a skilled shooter 
Uh, definitely has really good touch. You watch him uh, around the basket. You watch him shoot once he gets space to gather and uh, set his feet. The ball looks great coming out of his hand. I think that he just needs to speed up the release a little bit. Uh, great off-ball cutter. Phenomenal off-ball player. Really understands how to play without the basketball. Really understands how to play with the basketball. Incredible hand-eye coordination. Really, really good defensively, despite the fact that he's not like the fleetest of foot. Uh, knows how to just be disruptive by being able to like get his hands in the action and like making things miserable for opposing players. Uh, I'm, I I was very impressed. Like I watched LSU wake because I was like, okay, I need to get eyes on Darius days. I guess I should take a look at Efton Reed. Like, okay, let, let's see what we've got here. Um, I came away thinking Jake LaRavia was the best player on the court. That was, those are the best guys to find when you're you're not looking. You're finding the prospect, and you said, "Who's that guy?" Like I think you said about John yeah. Butler, who we'll, we'll get there. We'll get him as prospect of the week with with Wake's schedule. There, I think they have another game or, or two non conference, but he'll have plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities to play against high level guys. I'm already looking. We'll we'll circle January 12th as Duke Wake Forest the Laravia Bancaro Bowl. I can't emphasize enough. Duke is going to fucking boat race that team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's bullshit like material. Took, that's, that's going up in the Jake locker room. La- yeah, Jake LaRavia, uh, they took him off the court when he got his second foul. <laughs> in, with like, I think it was like the TV timeout with four minutes left in the first half. Oh. Uh, they scored two points the rest of the half and could barely get the ball across half court. Because LSU obviously like presses and like you know really hits at the point of attack. It was uh, it was rough. I, I, <laughs> was I, I rough. have a I have a good quick boat race story. I don't have I ever told you the Marty Collins Temple story when we played them. I don't know if you have. All right, so uh, stop me if you have. But what happens was we beat Temple at home by like thirty. I actually played. I, I hit a shot at the the end of the game on ESPN, a, a highlight package for when uh, Game Theory wins the countless awards that we will win in the future. But Marty That's Collins, right. who is who is a pro, played for the Knicks for a while. First round pick, baby. He came out in the newspaper before we played at Temple and said, we're going to beat him by 30. Okay? So this is before the game. So the managers at UMass in our visiting locker room, our managers before the game, the coaches printed out the quote and plastered it. Plastered it over the locker room. It was everywhere. So you walked in, it was everywhere. Great motivational thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to kill these guys. We were in rough shape. One of our better players was sick. We're coming off, I don't know, not playing well. They won by 29. <laughs> it was like, this guy called his shot. In the dartboard, he hit the bullseye, waved goodbye. I said 30, it was 29, my bad, keep the change. And I was like, this guy is a professional athlete. He'll be in the NBA, and uh, this is what pros do in the Atlantic 10. Well, you know what the key of that story is? Uh, you not have shot are the it person the with yeah, that late like, three-pointer yeah. to stop Marty Collins' uh, prediction from coming true. No, that was the game before. That's the thing. We beat him at home by like 30, and then he said next game we're going to get him by 30, and they actually oh, did. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I wish. Oh, if, wow. I covered, if I covered the the fake spread that, that he made, that would have been even a little bit more bittersweet. That's a better bar story if it oh. ended that way. It didn't, unfortunately. We haven't done Matt Penny story time in a while. No, this that was a good, good one. Yeah, that one that was yeah. natural. That was a good one. We need the uh, we need uh, Matt Penny recruiting stories. Uh, back we, soon. Yeah, we can get there. There's, there's plenty of those. Oh man, Penny! Before we get out of here, uh, any movies that you have seen recently? Uh, I watched I watched one. I watched one documentary. I watched the Alanis Morissette Music Box documentary. Okay. On HBO Max. That was good. I, I'm, I'm probably 
dating myself a little bit, but I remember being younger. Right in the pocket for Atlantis Mania. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. It was, um, yeah, when when You Ought to Know, when Jagged Little Pill came out, it it was such a movement. and uh, I I liked it. I liked seeing her process, and they asked the the radio DJ. It happened also fast. It's like she wins Best New Artist. She'd been in music for like 10 years. It happens all the time with the Grammys. So, like, they brought the disc to, to K-Rock out in California. The DJ played it up at 10 and said, we're going into the booth right now and playing this. And they played You Ought to Know. And they said, did, did, did the rock space have room for Alanis Morissette? They said, no, we couldn't even play back-to-back women on the radio at that point. But mm. she was so powerful and the music was so relatable across genders that, like, they didn't have a choice. And it's uh, the best, or, or the, I think it's the second highest selling album of the 90s which is pretty incredible so, yeah, I, I, re- I recommend I mean, it I, yeah i listened to jagged little pill like when i was what 15 something yeah. like that because what yeah. that had been like even 2005 it, uh, like, it was no, an old it was album later yeah, yeah it was nine i think it was 96 or something like that but it all, all happened so yeah. fast she's a mega star like legitimately overnight it's crazy yeah it's absolutely nuts um i How watched king richard yesterday yeah king I, richard, I, uh, I need the review there because I've, I've heard mixed mixed things mixed bag I don't understand why the movie is centered on him. Okay. I think is my problem. Um, the the movie never makes a compelling case for why it's centered around him. And in fact, makes a case for why it should have been centered around Venus Williams. Will Smith Academy Award. Does it happen? Uh, I, I don't think it should. I will, I'll say that. Um, Look, we'll see. I don't think he's bad. Like, I don't think that like the performance is bad. I don't. Like, I think he's pretty good in it, to be honest. Um, I, I can't imagine that there won't be better performances as we start getting into some of these Oscar contenders later in the year. Like, look, he, he would not be. I mean, what I've seen, 190 movies this year. I, I don't. <laughs> this in, year, in like 2021 releases, like Jeez, man. yeah, like not, not um. Older movies, like I've probably seen a hundred and maybe 170 2021 releases. Like, it is impressive. Um, That's a would, lot of movies. It's a lot. It's a lot of movies. A lot of new releases, uh, anyway. Yeah, would not. I mean, like, look, like I thought that like Anthony Ramos in in the Heights was like drastically better than he right, was. Right. Yep. But that's also not going to get nominated because that movie like died on the vine. Mm-hmm. So, um, what else? I watched. In the, or I watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is the Jessica Chastain movie. Sure. Seen um, it. Not the movie. I've seen the, the ad, I believe. Yeah, good. Uh, I thought it was good. I liked it a little bit more than I liked King Richard. Um, she's really good. And Andrew Garfield is really, really good. Like, really, really good. Um, both, like, I, I would be okay with both of them getting nominated mm. for an Academy Award. More than I would be okay with Will Smith getting nominated. Yeah, there, there hasn't been a, a ton of new releases yet that have piqued my interest but king richard was was on the list to watch i also started watching the uh so that music box here is on hbo max they also had one on dmx so i'm like halfway through mm. that one it's dmx once he gets out from tax evasion and and prison it's, it's kind of and spoiler dmx passed away unfortunately but i think it's like kind of his last tour and, and last hurrah and it's heavy mm. man it's like you don't see the celebrity side of it whereas just everyone's always asking for a handout, a, a picture, X, yeah. can I get this, can I get that? And I, I remember at um, Celtics game, man, I, I guess four or five years ago now, 
one of the buddies had passes to go to there's like a restaurant bar that you can go at halftime if you have like good seats we had one pass for two people we kind of like snuck in behind I won't say the, the name, but one of the Celtics owners and the security's like, it's same with you. Like, yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah, see you later. Uh, we're tall, so it's like you blend in. Like he kind of could be there, and, and he was there. DMX was there. He actually just got out, and it was um, cool to see him, but also sad because you're, you're just become this like punchline for for pictures and mm. selfies and mixtape dropping soon. And hey, do the Rudolph thing. So you become a a caricature of yourself, and I'm sure it was a, a heavy thing for him to carry too. But the the movie, the documentary, has yeah. been good so far. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I will be interested to watch those because I did not really like the first Music Box one. The Woodstock. Woodstock one. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Woodstock's not great. Um, but uh, I am excited to watch the Alanis Morissette and uh, DMX, DMX ones because yeah. I'm sure they're actually really good. Yeah. The weird one that I'm excited to watch is like Kenny G because they're doing a Kenny right. G one. I can do and, some Kenny G. Uh, like, I, look, like, I don't listen to Kenny G at all. I, I'm just like fascinated by like the idea of him totally. like the fact that he is like a star in the way that he is like yeah. that is crazy to me yeah it's interesting stuff you, you learn something new you didn't know about the behind the scenes which is is always like my uh my point of involvement and why why i love those things <laughs> penny tell the people where they can find you on the internet on the internet you find me here if you click this video and it actually posted if not i am yeah, on we'll tw- uh, yeah we'll see uh i'm on twitter matt underscore penny find me there we have uh plenty of plenty of draft stuff videos scorching hot takes we something for everybody awesome love it uh go rate review subscribe to the game theory podcast please remember uh to do all of those things our black friday deal at the athletic is done but if you use the uh link theathletic.com slash game theory you will be able to subscribe for 33% off of a yearly subscription still. I think that's all that I've got for you on my end. I don't know if I'm going to write anything. I wrote a ton last week. Um, I don't know if I have anything like on the docket. I'm actually like five minutes late for a call with my editor. <laughs> Perfect. So, we're out. We're out. We're out. We're at the curtains. We're done. Sandman. <laughs> should should probably move, move forward with this uh, <laughs> podcast ending. So, uh, again, please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back next week uh, with more, and I will have a couple of NBA shows later this week to catch up on Suns, Warriors, and all of the fun stuff that happens across the league. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.